You are listening to the 10 Minute Entrepreneur Podcast with host Sean Castrina. I'm excited about today's podcast. I have an entrepreneur, a venture capitalist, best-selling author, and he just wrote a new book. I have Chris Meroff with me today, and the new book is The Empathy Revolution. Chris, it's great to have you on the podcast. Thanks for having me. All right. Now we're going to get into some of this woo-woo stuff because anything with a title, <laughs> The Empathy Revolution, you're going to make me feel like Satan at the end of this podcast. <laughs> but with that being said, you know, you're an entrepreneur, you've done well, you started companies. I always like to kind of get it going with, when did you know you were an entrepreneur? Gosh, probably when I was in my early 20s, my parents hired me. Um, and at the time, I literally had no idea what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. Um, and they left 20-year uh, careers uh, to start a business. Uh, and so when I uh, got hired on by them, I was just in awe that they would walk away from uh, good, uh, well-paying jobs to take this leap of faith uh, in this new business venture. And I just fell in love with it uh, right from the start. I'll tell you what, that'll either kill a marriage or build one. <laughs> no, I was just thinking was, about that. Was, uh, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I know. My my wife and I would probably string each other yeah. up, but they they worked really well together, and it uh, really kind of gave me a blueprint. Um, really, from that point on, yeah. as to kind of I want to do my own thing. Uh, I wanted to be an entrepreneur. That's commendable because that doesn't work for everybody. It, it, it just doesn't, I, and and let alone to kind of push all your chips in it, you know, towards midlife and walk away. I, right. I'm, in, I'm impressed. Good parents, very good parents. I, I like you already. I don't even need to care about the book. Um, <laughs> typically. Right. You know, in most cases, good parents raise good kids. Occasionally, it doesn't always work out. Doesn't always work out that way. But as a a general rule, it it, I'm going to be an optimist. It does. So try to be a good parent. But let's talk about this: the empathy revolution, practical wisdom to combat organizational and social loneliness. Now, obviously, I feel like you know I'm into people feeling good, and I want people to come to work. So I know you're going to take this down an alley that makes sense to me because I, at the end of the day, it is work. That's right. It is work. Yeah. And, the, yeah. So the, help the me understand is, this, the empathy well, you part are, and all that. Well, as an entrepreneur, I mean, my number one uh, goal is to employ my community and um, that fuels uh, the building of a business. Uh, so if you, if you don't plan on scaling, um, you know, then that's fine. I, I would say you're not really an entrepreneur. You're really kind of a hobbyist or, or you're running a lifestyle business. But if you're really trying to build something, that means there's scaling involved. That means you need people. I like um, what you just so, said. I'm, I apologize. I'm, I'm only because I'm no, going no. to set the preface for it because I kind of set you up for that because we don't yeah. get into a long talk. We just jump into this interview. So we didn't prep for that. You said what I hoped you would say in the fact is priority one. No matter how good it is to work at Zappos, it was good to work at Zappos because it was a billion-dollar company. Right. It's really good to work at Nordstrom because it's a billion-dollar company. At the end of the day, no matter how woo-woo, how good it feels, if you can't give them a paycheck on Friday, they're going to leave. And what you said, right. Chris, which I absolutely love because we didn't preface it for it, and I'm going to give the rest to you and shut my big mouth, is <laughs> first and foremost, you have to build an organization that that satisfies customers and generates profits. Right. Yeah. If you're not if you're not interested in scaling a business, 
then you're really looking for, a, a, like I said, kind of a lifestyle uh, business. And so um, the number one reality for me was how do I attract uh, your best asset, which are people? How do you get them to want to be there, show up every day, put in 110%? And that's really what I stumbled upon was this woo-woo stuff, as you put it, which is they have a lot of choices now. It's not like back in the day uh, when you had, you, you kind of uh, assumed loyalty uh, to a company. I know the boomers kind of did that. Uh, Gen X, I'm a Gen Xer. And the reality was you just kind of get taught, especially by the boomers, that you need to stay loyal to a business. Well, millennials and Gen Z don't care about that. Um, they loyalty are, is gone. Loyalty is no, gone. I don't, and right. they don't even, it's not even expectation. It's not even no. in their DNA because their, their philosophy, you know, with the son who's 22 is, if and and my daughter for that matter if if this place is good i'll stay if it's not i leave that's right and it's that's only the way it, it, <laughs> and that's the way it should have been i mean the yeah. reality is it's on us as entrepreneurs to make this place uh worth staying um and so that's when people so 100 years ago you had agriculture and manufacturing agriculture and manufacturing um people didn't really as long as you had the information or the knowledge you could you could be successful well, 100 years later, not true. You've got to rely on people. Uh, the knowledge, everyone has it. Uh, you can Google anything. You can learn anything. Um, now you have to really become a student of people. And that's really what the empathy revolution is all about, is how do we become an expert uh, in the human condition and then give them a reason to be here and then pull out the very best of them. Most people show up to work and give about 30% productivity, 30%. That's not going to cut it, uh, not when you're trying to scale a business. So the empathy revolution is really a, a way to show up that allows somebody to give more than 30%. We're seeing people really pour their whole heart and soul into what we're doing because they feel cared for. They feel like they're known, heard, and valued. It's a game changer. Yeah, no, and and again, something, my, my setup was a setup just to see if it would play out the way it did in it. In it. Thankfully, it did. doesn't always work out that way. Uh, but but you're right. I, I said this from the beginning. I, I kind of, in a long podcast, people go back and look at it because I've done a lot of podcasts, but I do actually think it's one of the better ones where I talk about the love languages of employees. There's yeah. a great book, Gary Chapman, about love languages in general, just how you know you, you'll relate with other people, your wife and things of that nature. Well, as an employee, money is one of the eight, but not even number one. <laughs> yep that's right and, and it's not even number two and and this is my list and so you, you're kind of doing the same thing just writing it in a, in, in a great way but I, i've always felt that way because there's so many dynamics in a personality type some people are fanatic over security you tell them yeah. oh so and so i love having you i hope you're with us for the next five years you have just whispered in their ear why? Because maybe their parents got divorced. They moved around 10 times growing up. That's where money doesn't have any, doesn't even speak their language That's because right. they always had change. And so yeah. to that person, you, you have to, security is it. Yeah. The other person, it, sometimes it's just, they want great flexibility. They just, you can't yeah. box them up. You got it. You know, and there's a fair, you got to know gonna, them. Yeah, I'm going to be quiet now and let you tell me. So what's in the book <laughs> that my audience can learn? Give them, you know, five minutes of if you do yeah. this and this, you're going to have a, a more productive employee than the 30%. And you're probably going to keep them in your organization longer. You have the floor, Chris. Yeah, the, the biggest thing is as a leader, 
um, I showed up always, uh, the, the model I had from my great parents um, was uh, to be strong, confident, uh, to be able to problem solve, be great in, in the crisis. Um, what, I, what I learned is that I became the glass ceiling in my own organizations. Um, people were not going to be able to rise above uh, the excellence uh, that I held myself to. And so it's not that I decided one day to, okay, I'm going to show up and be lousy at work. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to take a back seat, allow other people to show up in their strengths and really kind of work towards being unnecessary. In fact, I'm going to trade my power uh, for their greatness. Uh, and in doing so, it invited people to show up in ways that they never did uh, before. And now those people run my organizations and I can do a lot more because now I'm not necessary and I'm not that that linchpin in every single organization that I'm running. I, yeah, I love that, Chris. I, I, I recorded a podcast yesterday, which is funny. And I don't know when yours, your book comes out in October, so we'll get it closer to there. But it's funny that you, you mentioned that because I literally did a podcast called The 10 Things I Wish I Would Have Known 25 Years Ago. Yeah. And, and in that, one of the 10 is what you just said. Work your way out of a job. Amen. Get yourself out because when you get yeah. yourself out, you can true that I, you know, I, I'm an entrepreneur because I'm, I'm like, I'm like a crack addict on wanting to start something new. <laughs> exactly. Right? I'm, I, whether it's a division or yeah. a new company. So if I, I start this one company and every, I am the cog in every wheel, every decision mm -hmm. runs through me. How do I possibly a bring on equally talented people because they're never going to feel right. They're never going to thrive in that. They're going to feel stifled. They're end up leaving your company and being your biggest competitor at some point, exactly. but I can't be the entrepreneur anyway, because I've, I'm, I've given a hundred hours a week to this one thing. Yep. It really bogs you down. Um, and that was a realization I had. And the key to that was vulnerability. Like I had to express some weakness, not just like understand I have weaknesses. I, I think everybody does, but start to express them. And so three things I did, if I were to give your audience three things, here are three things I started to say that everybody I could uh, throughout the day. Here are the three things. I'm sorry. Like, just make that part of your vernacular and mean it. Like, I am truly sorry for the situation, for the circumstances. I'm sorry uh, that you know, we have to go in this direction. Whatever it is, I'm sorry. Also take responsibility for your own actions. If you show up as a bully one day, just apologize. If you show up as I do impatiently sometimes, say, I'm sorry. So that was one of them. The other one is mine normally starts with, I apologize, everybody within 30 feet of me. I was an ass over the last 15 yeah. minutes. That's exactly. Yeah. I, it matters to people for you to, it builds trust when you say, Hey, listen, I let stress dictate my behavior and I'm so sorry. Um, I, I let myself, you know, get ahead of myself. And so I'm, I apologize. Uh, the other one is, uh, I don't know. Um, I, I don't know. What do we should, what should we do about this, Chris? I don't know. What do you think? Uh, don't be a problem solver as a leader. Be a, a problem or a solutions uh, cultivator. Like, how do you get people to give you solutions, not problems? That's really what uh, vulnerability does is it says, listen, I'm not your chief uh, problem solver here. Um, I am a solutions cultivator. I'm going to cultivate a culture of solution. And that's going to come uh, because I'm going to say, I don't know. What do you think we should do? I don't know. So that's number two. And then number three is I need your help. Nothing uh, is harder for me than to say to someone, I need your help. Um, I, I'm the one who helps people. <laughs> I'm the helper um, in, in relationships. And so it's hard for me to 
say those words like I need your help, um, you know, to my chief sales uh, officer, hey, I need your help. I need your help building revenue. I need your help uh, uh, building this business. So if you can use those three, uh, those three phrases, they really serve your people and yourself incredibly well. And you build leaders, it, you know, I, I've been doing this long enough. So thankfully, I've I had the opportunity to learn what you're saying. And it took time. It took time to go into a, Absolutely. to be in a meeting and tell my staff, I, I, I use humor, as you could imagine. And I'll say to them, <laughs> I am personally asking to not be the smartest person in this room today. Yeah. That's how I start meetings. It's huge. Right. I, I don't need to be, there was a time when I needed to be, but I don't need to be today and I don't want to be yep. today. So good ideas, please come. And my, and my staff is just so funny about it because they, they taught me every, you know, nearly every time. And just recently, I had a problem that I've been bringing up to my one of my partners for like six months in a row. And I keep saying, you know, as an entrepreneur, you can say what you want, but we do see around corners. Yeah. And we do that because we've seen it before or we 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 pay more attention to trends than employees do. That's right. We, we just do. So I kept saying this is going to happen. And sure enough, it was getting I could I could see it, see it happening. And so I, I, I was arguing over with one of my partners over it where I'm, I'm kind of like telling him what I think we should do. And then I finally just pulled out and I said, guess what, Tony, you got, I, I'm open to you solving the problem. I always feel like I have to. You're aware of the problem. I'm giving you 30 days to present me three ideas that you think will work. Yeah, we'll we're going to come back to this 30 days from now. And I'm open to anything you can come up with that you think is better than what I have. But I want you to take control of this. And, yeah. pitch, and I said, and pitch me three solutions. That's it. It's so critical because um, name the greatest coach on the planet uh, of any professional sports team. Um, and I'll be able to point to someone who in that process of becoming a champion, didn't play one minute on the court. Uh, they had to coach others in what you're saying. They had to teach them how to uh, recognize a problem. They had to teach them how to solve those problems, how to get creative. And so as we go into it as leaders, we really need to change this into coaching more than this idea of managing. Get rid of like telling people what to do. Start encouraging your people to tell you what to do because you're, you're willing to coach them through your life lessons, like you just said, it's critical. Yeah, you know, when you surround yourself with great people and, and you look at it, you look at Steve Jobs, Tim Cook, okay, you see something there. Tim Cook brought him to a yeah. trillion. It was an employee. It wasn't the Sorry. it wasn't the entrepreneur. It wasn't the great famous founder that we talked about. Who took over for Bill Gates? Steve Ballmer, employee. Yeah. So it's critical. It, it is it is so critical. I and mean, we talk about like coaching. Well, you know, Nick Saban widely considered the best, you know, college coach to breathe oxygen. At any given ranking during the year, I've noticed this over like the last five years, he will have five other assistant coaches that worked for him in the top 25. Yep. At, at one time there was six. Last year there was six. Yeah. At one time. 25, not well. counting him. He made up his coaching tree made up over 25% of the the USA Today, yep. you know, top, the top, AP top 25 football poll. Clearly, we he's need not to learn. Yeah, he's not intimidated by having smart guys. Yeah, that's right. It's critical. 
Yeah, just just extraordinarily smart guys. Well, I I love the I love the book. One, give me give me one closing. Give me one more nugget since I kind of shared a story. So I I want yeah. I want to close with your voice. The number one thing um, businesses have to face, and you know this from an expense standpoint, is turnover or quiet quitting. That's like your number one. The the reality is, how do you become attractive to bring them back? Like, how do you get those smart people around you? Um, and this is what the book really gets into is this idea of empathy and vulnerability as a tool to you as a leader in order to attract the highest talent. This isn't about like woo woo or trying to make somebody feel good in their failures. This is about really teaching people how to become great, the greatness that already exists within them. And that's what you're doing is you're trading your power for their greatness. No, I, you can't. This is what I know. I'm a simple guy, but you can't do this alone. And I tell you what, it's it's not a fun journey doing it alone. No, it no, just, it was miserable for me. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I, I personally love being in a room of smart people. I have Chris Meroff with me here today. He's the author of The Empathy Revolution. Chris, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Um, how can my audience connect with you, get your book and all these good things? Yeah, we have uh, a couple of websites, dcxcommunity.com. And then Chris Chris and then we have a conference coming up that you'll see on the website uh, DCX uh, conference in October uh, of this year. We've got some great speakers: Tim Tebow, Pat Lencioni, uh, John Acuff, and others. So love to have you out. No, that, that's a, that's a powerful group. Again, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. It continues to exceed my expectations. Humbled by it, the goal is to equip, encourage, and educate entrepreneurs in the least amount of time possible. It's brought to you by Gig Strategic, the best digital marketing company for small businesses. Thank you again. We will talk again soon.